Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Uh, thank you for us to gather here tonight and to, just to worship you, Lord, because uh, we know it's all about you. And just thank you for this day. It's been a beautiful day. Uh, thanks for getting Josh back here, you know, safe from his trip over in Hawaii. And just so he could be back here tonight just to, just to enjoy your love. Uh, keep her over, you know, in your arms and just hold on to her tomorrow as she goes through her procedures. Just keep, uh, just keep Brother Todd behind the cross and just, just, just watch over him as he gives us his message tonight and just love him and, you know, let him spread your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, it's good to see everyone here this evening. Well, uh, last weekend, I was sitting in a hotel room in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and the Lord gave me a new song, so I wrote it down on a whole bunch of those little bitty pieces of paper they leave you with a pen in a hotel room, <laughs> and then got home and uh, typed it all up, so it's pretty cool, I thought.
blows me away to God, what, what God has done with him and through him in four years. You know, four years ago, he didn't, never even heard a Christian song. And uh, he just sang one they wrote. That just blows me away. I, just, I, I love that. that. That blesses me every, every, every single week. Nolan, y'all want to take up our offering for us? Rafe, you want to give him a hand with that? Well, we got a blessed offering. We do. We do. I'm sorry. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Father. We just thank you for allowing us to be in your presence in your house, Father God. Lord God, we just ask that you bless this offering, Lord, and just multiply it and use it for your good purpose, Father. Lord God, just be with everyone here tonight, especially when on their way home, and look after them during the week, Father, and bring them back on Wednesday and every Sunday afterwards, Father. Lord God, we just thank you. We love you. We praise you. And all these things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. The Savior alone carried the cross for all of my debts. He paid the cost, salvation complete. Now forever I'm free. Calvary covers it all. Separate us 
don't count anymore All praise to the one who has ransomed my soul Calvary covers it all No one but Jesus can make us pure as snow We stand in your breath freedom Calvary covers it all Calvary covers it all My sin don't count anymore All praise to the one Who ransoms my soul Calvary covers it all Calvary covers it all My sin and shame Praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. All praise to the one who ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that fact? Amen. Amen. If y'all will indulge me just for a second, okay? Don't forget what I told you. <laughs> well, there might that might have been divine intervention right there. If y'all were at lunch with me, you'd understand that. He was threatening me and said he was going to sit on the front row and heckle me. And he didn't think I'd throw peanuts at him, so we're at Roadhouse. So I brought some, and that's not the only one I got. So I, got, I, I did. I did. So if I need to do that, I've got some more. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, when I was thinking about this, this was something I was talking to, uh, talking to our boys about. And uh, I messed up, though, at youth camp. I did this on the, on the first night. But... You, you live and you learn, and I learned a lesson. Don't try to teach our teenage boys anything that first night because it ain't happening. They had about six minutes in them before it started bouncing off their foreheads because that was the first night, and they were, they were a rowdy bunch, especially that one on the back row back there. And uh, so instead, what we decided to do, y'all saw these, instead of teaching a lesson, we just decided, well, you know what? We'll just make spears. And uh, they were a lot better at that than listening to me talk to them. And uh, only two of them were bleeding by the time we were done, and it, but they weren't bleeding bad. But, you know, when I was uh, preparing for this to talk to them, the way my notes started, it said, Welcome, warriors, mighty men and women of valor. Welcome, courageous youth, children of God who have come to join the fight. 
Welcome to the Lord's Army. All of you have volunteered for service for the duration of your life, and you are here today to be prepared, trained, and equipped for the battle against the greatest enemy that mankind has ever faced. We're not fighting for American freedoms or territory, wealth, power, control. We're not fighting for oil and natural resources, but we're going to battle for a greater cause than all these things combined. We fight so that evil will not prevail, that righteousness, justice, and goodness will reign supreme and for the eternal glory of the heaven and the destiny of millions of lost souls. And that's true. And you know, when you, uh, when you became a believer, you signed up. Whether you wanted to or not, you signed up. And you signed, you signed up for life. And we're going to talk a little, just a little bit about Gideon. Does anybody familiar with Gideon in the Bible? Anybody know who Gideon is? And Gideon was one of those guys, if you look through the Bible and read the stories, and I figured when the pastor asked me to do this that I can't preach. That's way out of my box. But I can tell a story. and I, I talk a lot. But uh, so we'll just, we'll, I'm not going to preach to you. I'm going to tell you a story about Gideon. He was one of the last guys in the book that you'd find that you'd thought would have been a warrior, a man of valor, a leader of men. He wasn't just a leader of men. He was a leader of an entire army trying to, trying to free his nation. And, uh, well, he was, like, like I said, he, that was not something he felt he could do, he was equipped to do, didn't feel like he, something he was called to do. And uh, a lot of people assume because they see me on stage, and I've spent the last few years on the stage every weekend, and uh, that I'm completely comfortable doing that. And you ask Begging, that's not always true. Uh, and certainly not doing this. This is a, this is a totally, different de- totally different deal for me. But uh, there's many times I've stood, and a song would start, and you asked me, or it's happened to him too. song would start, I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to sing. Not a clue. If you knew how many, how many uh, lyrics that, <laughs> that I made up, it would shock you. But like I tell Neil all the time, if you mess up, just don't tell him. They might not know it. But, but you know what? Pastor told me something when, when I first came here. And, uh, and, and I know we, we probably all can say this. Uh, me and my bride have been, church, have been in church our entire marriage of 22 years. We, we have grown more in the last year and a half of being here than we ever have. Uh, personally and spiritually, uh, certainly since I've been a Christian for seven, seven years. And but the pastor told me something the first month I was here. He said, "If you're in the same place today that you were yesterday, he said something's wrong." He said, "You need to be growing, changing, and moving, not yearly, not monthly, not weekly, but daily." And he said, "Every day." And so he 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 pushes us out of our out of our comfort zone and out of our box. But he pushes himself too, and I appreciate that. And uh, like I said nervous as all can be doing this kind of thing this is this is not something i'm comfortable with but but i'm thankful for the opportunity i'm glad i'm glad he's willing to push me but you know gideon felt the same way Uh, at that time uh, the israelites uh, they messed up again and you would think by this time they had learned you've all read the stories that they'll turn their back on god and they're not just cursed i mean they're unbelievably in bad shape you'd think after three or four or five or six or seven or 14 times they would get get the point and not do that but they did it again they turned their backs on God started worshiping uh, weren't worshiping God like they should well and they were put into bondage again and the Midianites were some evil people and they took over their whole country and uh, they were taxing them like crazy taking everything they had kind of like kind of like we are right now and they they couldn't have it they couldn't feed their families 
Well, Gideon was just a farmer. He was a simple farmer's son, had never been trained. Uh, he'd never been to, uh, you know, West Point, Israel. He wasn't, wasn't trained in leading men or special ops or hand-to-hand combat. The last person you thought would go to war. I mean, he was a simple farmer. And at the, at the time, what he was doing, he was hiding. He was hiding in a, what they call wine press, and he was threshing wheat. And the reason he was hiding, because if the Midianites find out that he was threshing wheat and taking grain, they'd come take his crop. They wouldn't let him have it, because that was, that was revenue in, in, in their world. They wouldn't let him have it. So he had to actually hide just to get some wheat, just to feed his family. So that's kind of what he was, and he was scared to death, and he was hiding, you know, hiding in the wine press so nobody would see him. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Judges 6. Got my Bible. Bob did pretty good with that this morning. We we scare some of them to death with that, don't we? And I didn't warn warn him about that because I intentionally wanted to see his reaction. I always look forward forward to that. I tell you, though, he went on and on about how much he enjoyed preaching to you all this morning. Thank you for making him feel so welcome. It meant a lot to me, and I know it meant a lot to him. In Judges 6, verse 11, everybody there, say amen. The book says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Aborite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? We're all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And and this is how Gideon felt about that. But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Well, even though he was getting this message directly from the, from the Lord, he had a real hard time believing that. And I can't speak for y'all, but sometimes, I, but, but sometimes that is applicable to me. Uh, I feel like the Lord is laying something in my heart or in my spirit telling me to do something. And I just don't, I have a hard time trusting that, that I'm capable of doing that. And... Uh, So Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, please give me a sign, a sign that's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So at this point, Gideon did not have enough faith to take God at his word, but he he wanted it proven to him. And he he wanted a sign. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from an, an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered to them under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So even though the angel of God stood right in front of him, he still had to, ha- still had to, have, to have a sign. And like I said, 
I, I know I'm that way. You know, if uh, I'm not somebody that I would think is a uh, mighty man of valor or a warrior. You know, you look at guys like uh, Billy Graham and the impact that they had. But, you know, that brings to mind something. I, somebody told me something. This, this pastor of a huge, huge church. It's actually in England. He went to Australia. And there's a particular street in the shopping district in Australia where everybody goes to shop. And he's walking through there. And as he's walking down, a little old white-haired man stepped out from behind a kind of an alleyway, stuck a track in his hand, and he said, if you died right now, do you know if you go to heaven or hell? Turn around and walk away. That's all he said. And uh, he accepted the track, of course. I thought, well, that's, that's awesome. And he was on his way to a meeting. He went to a meeting, and he had a habit. Whenever he met somebody, he always liked to hear how they came to the Lord, how they, how they became a Christian. Well, he asked the pastor of the church where he had this meeting. And he said, well, you know, I was in Sydney. And he said, I was walking down the street in the shopping district, and this little old man stepped out of an alley, stuck a track in my hand, and said, if you died today, do you know if you go to heaven or hell? And he said, I read that track. That's how I got saved. He said, wow, that's incredible. What a coincidence. And he told him, you know, I met that man yesterday. He really thought that was awesome. Well, a couple weeks later, he had to go to Africa. And he was with, I can't remember exactly how many. I want to say there was 25,000 mission it was a huge conference in Africa, and he was talking to the guy that was overall that responsible for all of it. And he asked him the question he asked everybody, how did you come to know the Lord? He said, well, you know, I was in Australia, and I was in the shopping district, and I met a little old man. He stuck a track in my hand and asked me, if I died today, would I go to heaven or hell? He said, this is incredible. And he said, I've got I've to re- find out about this guy. So they put together a team and did some research and started connecting because he, he kept running into this. Over the next year or so, uh, numerous times, people had the same story. So he said, I've got to meet this man. He went back to Australia and went to a local church and asked if they knew this man. They said, oh, yeah, everybody knows. I can't remember his name at this time, but he said, everybody knows him. But as a matter of fact, he's on his deathbed. And he said, well, I've got to meet him. And he went in there, and the man was literally on his deathbed, going to die any minute. And he, he he introduced himself and told him who he was and said, you wouldn't remember me, but I met you. And he said, uh, I just, he said, you're, you, you, you have such a powerful ministry. And he said, we put together a team, and we've estimated they were, it, it was in the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that were somehow, either directly or indirectly, affected by this man just stepping out, asking a question and putting a track in somebody's hand. And the old man started to cry. And he said, you know, I was a merchant marine, and I lived for the devil. And he said, uh, there was a man on, on my ship. He was a Christian. And he said, I just ridiculed him the whole time I was there. He said, but we were in a bad way. He saved my life. And when he did, I turned my life over to God. And I, ma- I made a promise that from that day forward, I would, I would ask 10 people every day the rest of my life, as long as, as long as God let me live, if they were going to heaven or hell. Just do that, my little part. I'd ask 10 people. He said, I didn't get 10 every day, but I made up for it the next day. And he said, until today, until, and, he, he, and he did that for, I think he said 20, I think it was 27 years that he did this. He said, until this moment, I've never, never met a single person that I knew accepted God because of that. For, but he stayed faithful for 27 years and did that. And when the pastor told him about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have been 
within within hours, the old man passed away. And uh, you know, I think I think about and I've thought about that story a lot because it reminds me somewhat of my mama and how strong she was. You you didn't talk to my mother. Y'all didn't get to know her, but you didn't talk to her for more than 15 seconds until she was going to get around to that question. She was going to find out where you sit, and she was going to witness to you. That's how she was. She did that to everybody, anytime, anywhere. And uh, I have some friends of mine that sing a song. It's called Applause. and talks about when certain people get to glory and get to heaven, you know. And some of them are going to ease on in, you know, but, uh, but some of them, like, like my mom or like this man, can you imagine the reception he got when he got there, and the people that he that that, that, that he met, that he affected. Well, my, my point being that because he was faithful and he strayed, stayed true to the cause, my goodness, my goodness. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's tough being a word, tough being in this battle. Not everybody is at a point where they're, where they're, where they're ready for it. If you're a Christian, it, anybody that it, it, here is a Christian already knows that you're going to be in a battle regardless, and you don't have any control over that. There's going to be a battle. And uh, I've fought many battles that I wasn't prepared very well for, um, where it's, it's so much more difficult. If, if my head's not right, if my heart's not right, I... But we can't we can't lose. You know, Bob Bob said something this said something this morning. The devil can fight us and he'll throw things at us, but uh, but he can't he can't win. He can't win. Now, he may not be scared of us, but he's he's scared of our father. And we know for a fact that that, that we that we can't lose uh, because we we because we've we've already we we won't be defeated because we've we've already won. Um, in John John ten it says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So no matter what, we can't lose. We've already won. And, and I, like I said, I, I know myself, and I know a lot of us don't look at ourselves as mighty men and women of valor and warriors. But, but that's how God sees us. You know, as the story goes on with Gideon, they were, they were outnumbered. I, don't, I can't remember what the number is, but thousands against them. They were so outnumbered that they, they, you, you wouldn't think they, they absolutely had a chance. So when God gave, gave Gideon the sign, he said, okay, we're, I'll, I'll do this. And he had the faith to accept that, accept that, uh, that calling that God put on his life. He put his army together, and his army was over 10,000 there. Now, they were still outnumbered, 1,000 to 1, but his army of 10,000. Well, God did something to prove himself to Gideon. He said, no, you're not going to have that many men because I don't want you to think it was by your might that you did this. I want you to know that I did it through you. And so he told him, anybody that's fearful or afraid and their heart's not in this, go home. Well, at that point, he lost most of his army. And you can't really blame him for being afraid. Um, and I don't know how you'd feel, but if I was fixing to go into a battle outnumbered 10,000 to 1, I'd have some fear. You know, I know God's on my side, and I know he's, 
he's almighty and he's victorious, but I'm also human. That'd make me a little nervous. And so, the, and so they went home. And it's not that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't their time. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared to fight at that point, just like some of us in our Christian life. God will train us. He'll put us in the spot, put us with the right people to teach us, to train us, to bring us up. When we are ready for that battle, then he'll let us, then he'll let us fight that battle. But we, we stay in training. And we better, like I said, we better be prepared. It makes that battle a whole lot easier on us. Well, then he trimmed him down some more. You, you know the story. He brought him down to the water, and it was a sign. He said, bring them down to the water and watch how they drink. If they just jump in the water, discard their weapons, don't worry about the enemy, and just, just worry about satisfying what they want, not what I want, then you don't want them. Well, they weren't like the army of today. They weren't in Blackhawks and Humvees. I mean, these guys were walking in the desert, carrying all this heavy equipment. So I'm sure they were hot. They were dusty. They were tired. They were thirsty. Saw that water, and a bunch of them just jumped in. Well, he sent them home. The other ones that fell on their face and started drinking, he sent them home. The only ones he kept were the guys that stayed vigilant, stayed on guard. He told them if they kneel down and they use their hands while they're still holding their weapons, those are the guys you want to fight with. Well, I think he wound up with only 300 guys. Well, you wouldn't have thought they'd do anything. And they did it with trumpets and lamps, and they marched around, but they defeated. They destroyed that entire army because they... In, you know, and that should, that, should, that should give us hope. When we think about Gideon and where he was and who he was, like I said, a simple, untrained farmer, the last person you would have thought would have been a leader and a warrior. But the hope in that is that's not what God sees. You know, and that's, that's, that's a lot of us. Can't speak for you, but it's, but it's me. But thankfully, God see, saw something else in me, and he sees something else in me. And he continues to try to work and grow something else in me. And what God saw was that Gideon might have been untrained, fearful, and at that point just didn't believe in his own power he could do, he could do that. But he did have faith in God, and he did love and trust God, and he was willing to trust him. And that's all God asked ask of us. pastor tells us all the time, what's his favorite saying? God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. And, uh, and that's, that's what Gideon was. He, was. he was willing, and then God made him able. So we should, uh, we should all take, uh, take solace in that, take hope in that. But if you haven't read that whole story, I would encourage you to uh, read Judges 6 and Judges 7. It's a really cool story. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't bring uh, enough material for you all to make fierce and not like the boys did. But uh, I thank you all for showing up and allowing me to talk to you for a few minutes. Amen? Nolan, do we have any, anything else? All right. Do we, uh, well, let's close in prayer. Keep our pastor and the others in your prayers and in your thoughts while they, while they travel. I don't know if any of y'all seen the pictures. It looks like they're having a fantastic time. So I'm, I'm really glad about that. I'm really glad about that. So. Dear Father, we thank you so much for a wonderful day, Lord. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be in your house and be together. Lord, help us to, uh, to uh, as I read that story, Lord, keep, keep it on my mind and uh, keep reminding me that, uh, 
it's about you, and, and, and that we can grow, and we can do all things through you, and we, we thank you for that. We know we don't have the strength or power in and of ourselves. Keep our pastor safe, bring him back home safe, refreshed and rejuvenated. Until we meet again on Wednesday, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.